mechanic tells him on Saturday that he can't fix it. Take it away. <laughs> he's not going to spend all day working on it. And, um, but oh, he's moving on Saturday. Now he's got no car, so he ends up with my car anyway. And <clears throat> just one thing after another. And that's opposition. Those things that get in your way, those can frustrate the life out of you. But the other worst opposition is when we oppose ourselves, when we get in our own way. I mean, I can write the week off as being just one of those tough weeks. But it's when we get in our own way. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 24, don't turn, I'll just read you the verse, right? Um, it says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, after teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Right? Now, I think this passage is speaking primarily to unsaved people. Because unsaved people oppose themselves. Unsafe people get in their own way. And what they need is they need repentance, the rest of the passage says, so God gives them repentance. But you know that you and I can oppose ourselves too. We can stand in our own way. Right? <clears throat> Did you ever have this going on? You, you, you had something you wanted to do, and you knew it was the right thing to do, and you knew you should do it, but you didn't feel like doing it, so you did something else. That's you opposing yourself. It's kind of like this. <clears throat> Imagine you live across a bridge. Right? And the best, quickest way home uh, is across this bridge. And, <clears throat> but but, but a, a guard stops you on the way home and he says, listen, the bridge is out. Right? You're going to have to go around the long way uh, to get home. And you say, well, I'm going to hurry. I don't care. I'm going to go anyway. Now you're opposing yourself. You're making life difficult for yourself because the bridge is out. At best, you're going to have to come back all the way. At worst, you're going to end up uh, <clears throat> in the river. That's opposing yourself. Do you know that you and I oppose ourselves when we know what God tells us to do and then we don't do it? When we know what God is telling us to do and then we don't do it, we oppose ourselves. And I'm, I'm very concerned about the age that we live in because we're, we're, we're a people <clears throat> that, that don't do anything just because we're supposed to do it. And that's right and fine, I think, in a lot of areas in life. But when it comes to the Word of God, the fact that God has written it is sufficient reason for you and I to do it. And when we don't, we oppose ourselves. We get in our own way. <clears throat> we, we, we cause ourselves trouble. We make our lives difficult. You and I could both track our lives, and, and we could look at our lives and look at the areas where we've got troubles, and we could trace it very often, sometimes not very clearly, but we could trace it very often back to a place where God said, do this, but I did this. And what we did was we opposed ourselves. And we need to quit that. That's a dumb way to live. That's, that's a foolish way to live. That's a simple way to live. That, that's not the way you want to live. You want to take the word of God and obey the word of God. All right, Proverbs chapter 1. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 1. And we're going to read verse 20 and 22, and then verse 29 through 32. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20 and 22. <clears throat> Wisdom crieth without, she utters her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates, in the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. 
Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Now, what's he saying? Wisdom cries out to us. Wisdom has a voice. <clears throat> we don't oppose ourselves and do foolish things because we don't things because we don't know any better. We oppose ourselves and do foolish things because we don't want to listen. And wisdom cries out to us and says, "How long are you going to keep this up?" Yeah, <clears throat> there's an old saying: "Fool me once, shame on you." What's the rest of it? Fool me twice. Shame on me. Why? Because I saw you doing it. How many of you have made the same mistake several times? You've done the same thing. That, that's, that's, you know, that's not clever. That's not wise. You know, <clears throat> um, we have enough knowledge and wisdom of Scripture to live excellent lives. But we have to apply it. We have to live it. We have to actually let it have its way in our lives. Look at verse 29. <clears throat> For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. Now, what's he saying there? They shall eat of the fruit of their own way. <clears throat> Sometimes we imagine that God has to step into our lives, you know, with a two-by-four and whack us around a bit because he's annoyed with us. I, I, I've never seen him do that. I've seen people's lives, people get into trouble because they were going their own way and doing their own thing. But normally what I see is God just steps back. And he, it's kind of like he says to you, you want your own way? Well, go ahead, have your own way. He, like he speaks to you and he reasons with you and he talks to you and you want your own way. He says, okay, go ahead, have your own way. And, and, and he lets you have your own way. That's the worst thing God can do to you. Let you have your own way. That's God taking his hands off and letting you go your own way and do your own thing. And in Romans chapter 1, he talks about its disaster. Therefore, God gave them up to their own way, basically. And it just got worse and worse and worse. And that's what happens for us. God gives us up. God lets us go our own way. He gives us wisdom. He gives us truth. He tells us <clears throat> what we should be doing. And when we don't want to do that, when we don't want to go his way, what happens is he lets us go and lets, our, lets us have our own way. Because he, he won't make you. Let me ask you, how often do you resist God's working within you? Oh, that's hard, isn't it? How often do you resist God's working within you? God is saying something and you know he is. And you're fighting against it. And we have wonderful ways of rationalizing our way through it, don't we? Here's what I see believers doing. Believers, God is saying something to them. They don't want to do it. So they find a whole bunch of other believers that don't see it that way. That's a good idea, isn't it? When other believers are doing it, it's got to be okay. No, it's not okay if other believers are doing it. It's only okay if God says it's okay for you to do it. The Word of God has got to be our standard. It can't be anything other than the, uh, the Word of God. <clears throat> and, and here's another question. Our resistance to God, does it become habitual? In other words, if you do it often enough, does it get easy to do yeah, it does. You don't listen to God, and you don't listen to God, and you don't listen to God. Well, pretty soon you're kind of 
living and doing stuff that you know is not good, you know is not wise. It's costing you a great deal, but, but, but you're not actually uh, following through and doing it. And we need to be a people of the book. There's a big scandal going on in Christianity at the moment. I was reading about it yesterday, and then Joe brought it up to me today. Um, a guy called Josh Harris wrote a book uh, years ago, and the book was I Kissed Dating Goodbye. I was pretty good book. Um, I'm not sure that I actually read it, but I did know about it, and, and it was pretty good. What he was doing, he was talking, but you don't go dating into all that stuff. You, what you do is you, uh, you find who God's partner for you is, and you focus on them. And I think it was probably a good book. Maybe not for everybody, uh, but it was a good, good book. Well, anyway, he's, um, he's renounced all that. He's decided that was wrong, and he's apologized to everybody for writing the book, and now he's getting divorced from his wife, and he's walking away. But that's not the worst part of it. The worst part of it is this, that he's doubting his faith wholesale, and he's a big figure in Christianity, so him doubting his faith wholesale, everybody's hearing about it. And people are wondering, what goes there? This man was a, a champion, he was a leader of the faith, and now all of a sudden he's kind of given up and he's questioning the whole thing? There's another guy, um, <clears throat> Marty Sampson. Marty Sampson is one of, <clears throat> one of the original Hillsong writers, written some of, some of the famous songs uh, that Hillsong used. And Marty Sampson has basically denied the faith. He, he, you know, he's, he's, com he's completely cynical about Christianity. He thinks there is a God, but he doesn't know how you would know him. Now, that kind of rocks people. That kind of shakes people in their, uh, in their, in, in their uh, shakes their world at some level. But now, let's think about it. What's happened for these people? What's really happened? We live in a day where there's shifting sands. Everything is shifting. Things that were true 10 years ago are questionable. Things that were illegal 30 years ago are now the law. We live in a day when everything is shifted, everything is being questioned, and the Word of God is being questioned. And here's what Christianity has been doing now for uh, a number of years. They've been trying to draw the world and Christianity together. Now, I think with a good heart. I think they want to reach the world, and so in order to reach the world, they're trying to iron out the differences. Right? They're, they're, they're trying to make it work together. They're, they're trying to join the two and make it work. But you, do you realize you can't? That's absolutely impossible. It's impossible to make Christianity and the world match together. They're complete polar opposites. And I think we should be kind, and I think we should be nice, and I think we should try and help people uh, to faith, and I think we should not put stumbling blocks in their way. But sooner or later, you're going to have to say, well, this is what God says. And you don't have to take the flag for it. You don't have to fight with them. This is what God says. God says this, and that's the truth. And there are going to be times when you and I, because we've only got finite minds, won't fully understand why God does what he does. There are going to be times when you and I, because we live in a, in a moment in time, in a culture that's really quite wacky, are going to be affected by the culture, and we're going to look at what God's doing, and we're going to say, why is he doing that? You know what? You don't have to work out why he's doing that. You don't have to understand the infinite mind of the omnipotent God. You can't and you won't. What you have to do, though, is you have to take him at his word. And if you take him at his word, you know, life's very simple. <clears throat> if you take him at his word, what it will do is it will preserve your faith and build your faith and help you live for God in a dark day. 
And I think these two guys, <clears throat> what's happened is they, 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 they tried the joining thing, you know, and you have forces in our culture that are really noisy, that are, that, that are really strong, and that are telling you Christians have to accept these things. And you just can't scripturally accept them. They're wrong. Folks, homosexuality is clearly scripturally wrong. There's no way to make it right. Living with somebody before you're married is clearly scripturally wrong. There's no way you can make that right. <clears throat> what you've got is you've got some very clear things in Scripture that are now under scrutiny, and the upshot of it will be that many people's faith gets shipwrecked. There's only one way for you to keep a strong faith. You've got to know who your God is. The only way you're going to know who he is is this word. Read it, but don't just read it. Take it in. Do you have a problem with something God does or something God says? Listen, it's fine for you to talk to him about it, but he's God. You don't get to second-guess him. You don't get to tell him he's wrong. You don't get to rework his words. You need to take his word, take him at his word. He knows what he's talking about. He's God. Do this coming a day when all that the world says will be nothing and the word of God will endure. There's coming a day when nobody's going to think you're crazy anymore for believing what the Bible says. Now, I think you should be kind. I think we should be, you know, wise as serpents and harmless as doves in a wicked age. I don't think you should be shooting people down uh, because they're in sin. Uh, our mission is to reach out to people that are in sin, whatever their sin is. But I do think this, that you and I need to stay on the ground of truth, of wisdom. <clears throat> Matthew 7 talks about the wise man building his house on the rock and the foolish man building his house on the sand. It's hearing and doing the word of God. When you relax the word of God, when you look at some portions of the word of God and you say, well, you know what, I'm not sure that means that. If you, if you look at the context culturally, and I don't think it can mean that. I think we need to rearrange that. What you're doing is you're building your house on sand, and sooner or later your house is going to collapse on you. We've got to be true to the Word of God. We've got to make that the issue. And it's getting harder and harder in the day we live to actually be true to the Word of God. Not to add stuff to it that it doesn't say, that's wrong. And not to take away stuff that it does say, that's wrong too. Be true to the Word of God. You don't have to explain God. Do you realize that? You don't even have to defend the Word of God. Somebody said to Spurgeon, they said, uh, <clears throat> uh, they, they, they talked about defending the Word of God, and he said, you don't need to defend the Word of God. It's a lion. Let it loose. It'll defend itself. You just, you just need to stand by the Word of God. And in a dark day and age, in a day and age that's getting darker, we need to stand very clearly on the Word of God. You need to be a Bible scholar. Don't need degrees behind your name, but you need to be a Bible scholar in that you've studied it and you've read it and you, know, you see something in it and you kind of uh, go into the meaning of it. And you, you look at Scripture and you actually get to know it. That's pretty important because we're facing an onslaught now where even Christianity is getting pummeled to accept things that are not true. You know, and I mean, by the way, this attack has come again and again and again over the ages. There's been all kinds of different uh, attacks on the scripture. I mean, <clears throat> there was the higher criticism uh, attack in the 18th 
uh, century. And um, <clears throat> higher criticism is basically this. You know, the folks, nobody can walk on water. That's ridiculous. That's not what it means. So, you know, let's, let's, let's rework that. And, and, and the Red Sea, the sea came back and they walked through it. That's impossible. Nobody can do that. So let's make it the Reed Sea. And there was a hacking away at the scripture. But do you know what happened when they were finished hacking away at the scripture? They destroyed their faith. And anybody that would listen to them, you and I can't do that. We've got to stand on scripture. We've got to come uh, to, to settle it in our hearts that the, the word of God is truth. And we're going to stand on that. Uh, because if we don't, what happens is we get washed away. God's got a plan for your life. He's, he's, he's telling you the best way to live. All the voices out there are not going to tell you God's way to live. The psychiatrist is not going to tell you God's way to live. He's going, he's going to scorn the way of God. The, <clears throat> the problem is a lot of Christians even today are not going to tell you God's way to live. They're going to, they're going to tell you <clears throat> what they think. They're going to talk about it in terms of you know, the parts of the, of the word of God they believe and the parts of the word of God they don't really believe. And if you don't believe all of it, you really have nothing to believe in at all. And your faith ends up getting destroyed. You can't pick and choose. You can't look at the Old Testament and say, well, no, I don't believe that. Because you know, effectively, you would have to go through the Bible and cut bits out of it. You've got to believe all of it. You've got to buy into all of it. And, 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 and the parts you don't understand, tell the Lord, Lord, I don't understand this. But it's in your book, and I'm accepting it. And live with that truth. And live with the truth you know as a reality in your life. Because if you don't, <clears throat> what happens is you end up opposing yourself. How many of you know how you should live apart from the word of God? Does a culture know how to live apart from the word of God? Where do we get the basic laws of any culture? We get them from God. Morality comes from God. There's no way, uh, apart from God, to, for us to know what we should do. So you've got to lock into the Word of God and live by the Word of God. Right? Okay, let's look at our three characters. First of all, there's the simple opposition. Some people never learn. Many believers remain keenly aware of God's leading, submitting to every nuance of his internal prompting. But many other church-going followers of Christ insist on learning the hard way. They're exposed to the same truths year after year, but wisdom fails to soak in. Multiple warnings from family and friends go unheeded. Brushes with disaster fail to alter their course. Even as they sit in the rubble of sin's consequences, they typically ask, how did this happen? Why am I suffering? Why is God doing this to me? We, we, are, we, are, we, ever, we ever in that place with somebody and you want to say, Adah. it's because you didn't follow what God told you to do? It's because you didn't do what God told you. You, you overrode the truth God had given you, and therefore <clears throat> uh, it cost you uh, much. And the, 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 the three character, characters Hebrews are talking about is the simple-minded. Now, the simple is the best of them, but he's still simple. It means, it means he's open, he's spacious, he's kind of open to anything. And, he, and he's not locking in. He's not coming into truth. Uh, he's he's kind of open to anything somebody says to him. And look at Proverbs with me. Look at Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6. For the window of my house, I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones... 
I discerned uh, among the youths a young man, void of understanding, passing through the street near her corner, and she went the way, uh, and he went the way to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night, and behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now she is without, uh, now in the streets, and lieth in wait at every corner. Look at verse 22. Uh, He goeth after her straight away as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool uh, to the correction of the stocks. You know, simple people are insensitive to the dangers of evil in their lives. You see, remember this, that that we are made moral creatures, but in our hearts, because of the fall, we kind of love wickedness. There's a space in us that's kind of all for it. There's a space in us that that, that, that responds really well to it. Unless we check ourselves. But your nature is to respond well to evil. And this simple one looks at the situation, and he's kind of dumb. He's simple. He goes the way. It's going to cost him. It's going to be big trouble. But he goes the way anyway. Secondly, they do not foresee nor consider, even consider, the consequences of their decision. Do you know that's one of the key elements of wisdom in your life? Learning to consider, to weigh the consequences of the decisions in your life. You and I are making decisions all the time. Some of them we take as being small decisions and they're not that important and we're not that concerned about them. But, you know, the reality is all the decisions in our lives have an impact on our life. And it's easy for us to not look at the consequences of our decision, particularly when it comes to sin. This simple guy who's going uh, is, is not taken on board who it is he's going with. Verse 22 again, he goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter, or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. Hearken unto me now ye therefore, O ye children, and attend unto the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths, for she hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is in the way of hell, going down to the chambers of death. Strong stuff. But do you know the simple guy's problem? He hasn't actually pulled back the curtain and asked himself, now what's this going to cost me? What's going to be the price tag on this? How is this going to play out in my life? And I know it's dealing with morality here, but it deals with every sin. You've got to pull back the curtain. You've got to actually look, what is it going to to cost me if I actually do this. And the Spirit of God's very good at warning us. He'll he'll tell you, something wrong with this. But you go ahead and you do it and there's going to be a price tag on it. There's going to be a cost involved in your life. There's going to be an issue for you to deal with and you need to look at the issue. You know, it takes the fun out of sin. This this guy doesn't look at the situation and say, oh my goodness, Um, she's going to destroy me. She's going to ruin me. He just says, no, but I want fun. I want fun and I want it now. And we're all capable of doing that, different areas in our lives. We're capable of doing something that we know is not good for us, opposing ourselves, and doing it anyway. 
without counting the consequences, what it's going to cost me if I do this. Get over that. Change that in your life. Learn to do it. Pause. Think. If you, if you can't do it for yourself, ask somebody who can. Ask, do you think this is a good idea? Now, usually, by the way, when you're coming and asking somebody that question, you know the answer, don't you? So you don't want to ask the question because you know what they're going to say. But it would be really helpful for you to come and ask somebody the question, should I do this? Do you think this is a wise thing for me to do? Learn to look behind the curtain. You know, the simple are also gullible. They like discernment. They believe everything. It's a happy day. It's fun. I'm getting something for nothing. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. No, it's not. <clears throat> you're being simple about it. You're not, you're not reckoning on the reality of what it's going to cost you uh, when you do this, so it's not going to be free. Uh, it's going to cost you. And then they fail to learn. They plunge in again and again. See, the Bible says the prudent man sees and he hides himself. What that means is the prudent man weighs up the situation and says, that's not a good idea. I'm not going there. And he just says, no, you know what, I'm going I'm to pass on that. Because he knows that, that there's a problem with this. And sometimes it's just a good feeling. It's the prompting of the Spirit. We don't even know what exactly it is. But there's something telling you that's not what you should be doing. That's not where you should be going. And you need to heed that. The, the prudent man, the wise man, <clears throat> I, he, he, he sees the evil and he hides but the simple, they just plunge in. They go in, they go straight in, and they get creamed. And it's really frustrating to watch them because you look at the simple guy and he's getting creamed all the time. They're getting their lives upended. They're in all kinds of trouble. Now, let me ask him, like, what's his problem? I know he's simple, but what's his problem? He knows no better. He's simple. Right? What's the solution to his problem? Should he look at the crowd and see what the crowd are doing? Should he look at other Christians and see what they're doing? No. The answer to being simple is being wise through the Word of God. Letting the Word of God in. But remember, wisdom is not just reading it. Wisdom is not just memorizing it. Wisdom is living it. And he shall know what? And what does the truth do for you? Yeah. You know, you don't have to live bound. You don't have to live in bondage. The truth can make you free. The truth can, can change your life if you will take it and apply it and live it. It's the best way. The simple man, he hears the truth, but he doesn't, he doesn't, he, he doesn't take it on. And what he needs to do is he needs to actually um, take it on board, learn from people who do know, until he's not simple anymore. Until he's not kind of an empty head is kind of the idea. He needs, he needs to grow in his understanding of the Word of God and do things God's way. Right? Then there's the fool. 
Now, the fool is a different character altogether. He's, he's got stupid opposition. He's doing things that are just not wise, uh, and he's doing them all the time. Uh, so a more severe form of spiritual foolishness, a condition that might be called stupid opposition, the best term for this person is a fool. Hebrew has two terms uh, for the fool. Uh, one is Nabal. Recognize that name from scripture? Nabal. Nabal is a man that was married to, um, gone from me. Anyway, he was, it'll come to me. One of the wives of David. She, uh, Nabal, anyways, he's, he's a farmer. He's a rich guy. He's got plenty of land. David's on the run from Saul at the time. And David's men protect his herds from van, bandits and vagabonds and wolves and everything else. It's, the, the, there's no agreement. There's no job description given. But, but the, they protect them from, uh, from those. And at the end of it, the normal thing to do is that you actually look after them. You share the harvest with them. So when it comes harvest time, when it comes time for uh, the sheep shearing, uh, D David sends his guys to Nabal, and, and, and his guys go into Nabal, and Nabal runs them. He says, no way. There's all kinds of guys out there that have, that have departed from their masters. There's no way I'm sharing my food with you. No way. Now, I don't think David's right with God at the time, because <clears throat> he's on the run from Saul. But David says, right, that's it, guys. Everybody saddle up, get your swords on. We will go down, and we will teach him a lesson he will never forget. His word is Nabal. But his wife comes to, to um, David and she says, don't do that. Don't do that. Nabal is his name and a fool he is. She says, don't go after him. Don't put blood, innocent blood on, uh, on you. Don't do it. Um, and, and David isn't treated by her. Abigail is her name. Abigail the Carmelites, Carmelites. And um, so David heeds her and, and doesn't do it. And so she goes down and Nabal is drunk, so she doesn't tell him, but she tells him the next day. And um, Nabal actually has some kind of a seizure and he dies. Because David was just about to slaughter him and his whole family. Everybody was going to be gone. Now, what was wrong with him? He was... A fool. He was a hardened fool. He was going to go his own way and do his own thing. Do you know, we can get like that. We can get to the place where we won't listen to God and go our own way and, 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 um, and do our own thing. You know, a good example of the second one, Kassal, might be a man who suffers a terrible, tragic loss, becomes intensely angry with God, and then decides the Creator doesn't exist. He then spends his life building a logical case against the existence of God, using what appears to be a credible reasoning, and to further convince himself and others as well, he proposes alternative theories about how and why the universe exists in order to replace a biblical worldview. Do you know people like that? By the way, here's a question for you. Is there anybody that truly doesn't know there's a God? The answer is no. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Everybody knows there's a God. But when the fool decides he doesn't want to deal with the reality of God, do you know what he does? He creates an alternative reality. And there are some very clever fools out there who've worked hard at creating an alternative reality that, that refuses to acknowledge the fact that there is a God. And our world's awash in fools at this stage that, 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 that have set, told themselves there is no God. 
You know, the interesting thing is, though, <clears throat> that in times of crisis, it's a rare person that won't pray or ask somebody else to pray. Yeah, <laughs> because we all know there's a God. You can't live in this world and not know there's a God. You can't live in this world and look up at the stars at night and not know there's a God. You can't watch the seasons follow each other and not know there's a God. You can't look at a little baby growing and learning and uh, <clears throat> just, 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 just progressing and not know there's a God. There's, there's, there's too many things in this world that can only be answered by God. Everybody knows there's a God, but the fool says there is no God. You, you don't want to be around people like that. You don't want to be around people like that. <clears throat> you say, well, hang on, I'm strong enough to handle it. Um, look, I think you can witness to people like that. But you don't want to hang out with them. Because by their nature, in order to justify themselves, they're going to attack your faith and go after you. And you just don't need the baggage. Do you know the most precious thing about you is your faith, as far as God is concerned? Your faith, your trust in Him. Your life depends upon your faith, upon your ability to trust in Him and to enjoy Him. And you ought to guard it. It's something precious to be guarded. Don't be around fools who are, who are building a case for the fact that there is no God. It's rubbish. And Isaiah, uh, he gives a great picture. Isaiah 44, uh, he, he talks about the absurdity of a position that denies God. He talks about the man uh, who cuts down a tree. And so what he does is he burns part of the tree to make him warm. And, and he cooks his dinner on the tree. And then another part of the tree he carves. And then he bows down to it and he says it's his God. And he says, that's ridiculous. Of course it is. A position that denies the reality of God is ridiculous. That's <clears throat> the, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you don't accept that, you're, you're going to end up being, being a fool. So uh, the Casal and Nabal, they, 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 they're both fools. Now, uh, look what Proverbs chapter 14, verse 7 and 8 says for us about this. Go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. Fools make a mock at sin. Why does he make a mock at sin? By the way, why do people spend so much time trying to work out the fact that there's no God? I mean, if you don't believe it, who cares? Then? Yeah. They have to work it out some way. And so he's going to have an angle. He's going to have an axe to grind and he's going to push you on it. So you need to understand that so you walk away from him. You don't spend time with the fool. Now the last one is the scorner. And the scorner is the saddest character in scripture as far as I'm concerned, right? <clears throat> um, he's quite different from the simple one. Uh, he delights in his scorning. The Hebrew term lutz means to turn aside, to scorn, to mock. It expresses the idea of rejecting with vigorous contempt. Scoffers show disdain for, or disgust for God and anything resembling spiritual truth. Our natural response is to whip them into shape, to apply intense discipline so they will turn from scoffing and begin to think wisely. More than likely, however, confronting a scoffer is wasted time. The Bible says you correct a scoffer and you get dishonor to your name. You're not going to listen. The Bible says the only thing you can do for him is put him out. 
You reprove a wise man, he's going to love you. You reprove a scoffer, and he's going to scorn you. A wise son accepts discipline. A scoffer will not listen to rebuke. Um, by the way, you need to listen to some of these and ask yourself, is this true about me? I, a wise son accepts discipline. A scoffer won't listen to rebuke. Then the Bible says, drive out the scoffer and contention will go out. Even strife and dishonor will cease. So you got to... The person who scorns the things of God, the person who makes a mock at sin, the person who, <clears throat> who wants to make you feel like you're a fool for believing in God, you don't want to be around him. You want to, put, you want to separate yourself from him. Now, I understand that separating from people is hard stuff to do. I understand that you say, I'm not going to be around you anymore. It's a tough thing to do, but do you know it's essential? You see, if you and I don't do what the Bible says in every area that it says, we get burned. We always do, because God knows what he's talking about. God knows right from wrong, and God knows how to keep us straight, and God knows how to keep us on the, <clears throat> on the narrow path. And we need to understand that, and we need to learn and follow his way. The question for you tonight, I suppose, is this. How much of the Word of God are you going to implement in your life? How much of the Word of God are you going to say, yeah, I'm going to live that? Some? Most? Or all? Now, you may say to me, you know, I don't think I can do all. It's fine for you to be honest with yourself and say you can't do it all. Say, Lord, I, I, I'm not able, but would you enable me because I want to do it all. I want to live wise. I want to live free in this world. Lord, would you help me? Would you enable me? And, and stop letting yourself off the hook for things you know you should do, but you're not doing. Stop doing that. Those are the things that are going to get you. Those are the things that are going to nail you. Stop doing that. Take the Word of God and apply all of it and live all of it and let the Spirit of God have free reign in your life. And the, if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. It's a dark day. But you know what? It's always been a dark day. The world has never accepted Christianity and it never will. It's always been a remnant. But you know what? We're the blessed people that have the book, that have the truth, and that can live and walk with God in a dark day and no truth and live better than anybody else can because we have his truth. Don't let the word pull, world pull you aside. Don't give in to yourself. Follow his word. Don't be simple anymore. Get plugged in, get clued in. If you don't know, ask somebody who does know. Don't be a fool. If you're a fool, listen, turn away from it right away today. Repent of it. And if you're around a scorner, walk away from him. You don't want that man in your life. You don't want that woman in your life. You can't handle it. Solomon was the wisest man in the world. God said, don't marry the heathen women. They'll take your heart. Solomon said, I'm the wisest man in the world. I can do it and get by with them. Solomon was wrong. God was right. They ended up 
taken his heart. And, and Solomon, the wisest man in the world, the man that God spoke to three times, three times God spoke to him in a way that's recorded for us. That man went in and bowed to an idol. And you think that doesn't bother God, you're, <clears throat> you're being ridiculous. Listen, when God says it, that's enough for us. Let's just do it. Let's follow it. Let's not be like the children of our age, like the Christians of our age even, trying to reinvent it. Let's just follow. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we ask you to bless us tonight, Lord. <clears throat> Lord, every, every one of us in this room is simple in ways. And Lord, we want your word. We want to follow your word, and we want to obey your word, and we want to do all that you have for us. Lord, would you help us? Would you touch us and draw us into that sweet place where we walk with you? Would you just where you stand right now make that commitment to God? Lord, I want to follow you. I want to do it your way. And then we'll sing our new song by faith. Can I think quietly? <coughs> save you a lot of trouble in your life. But you've got to apply it. You've got to actually put it into practice in your life. And let's sing. <clears throat>